Bitcoin has found fresh support this year, bolstered by growing disquiet among investors over central bank and government stimulus measures. The Bitcoin price up around 50% since January to $11,400 per Bitcoin has rallied in line with equity markets since a seaward-induced crash in March. Now, after the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency community was set alight by a bold $1 trillion prediction from a major Tesla investor last month, a former Goldman Sachs hedge fund manager has said the Bitcoin price could hit $1 million in as little as five years, a whopping 1,000% increase. I think $1 million per Bitcoin is about right. Whether it's five years or six years, Raul Paul, the founder and chief executive of Global Macro Investor, told Stansbury Research in a recent interview published on YouTube. Just from what I know from all the institutions and all of the people I speak to, there's an enormous wall of money coming into this, Paul said, pointing to coming improvements in the pipes that will allow investors to buy Bitcoin as the driver behind the expected investment. It's on everybody's radar screen, and there's a lot of smart people working on it, added Paul, who revealed he has now dedicated more than 50% of his portfolio to Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been pushed into the limelight in recent weeks by a number of high-profile companies investing in the cryptocurrency, with payments company Square, led by Twitter chief executive, an outspoken Bitcoin advocate, Jack Dorsey, buying $50 million worth of Bitcoin, 1% of its cash reserves. My trading positions are relatively small because I don't think there's as much opportunity as there is in Bitcoin. So really, mainly a bit of cash, some gold, and Bitcoin, Paul said. And I'm even toying with the idea of selling my gold to buy Bitcoin more Bitcoin. Meanwhile, other Bitcoin and cryptocurrency proponents have also been out in force over recent weeks, talking up Bitcoin's prospects. Investor activity is picking up considerably with various on-chain metrics and ongoing and heightening global political, economic, and social turbulence, suggesting that there will be a Bitcoin price surge before the end of the year. Nigel Green, chief executive of independent financial Advisory DeVere Group said via email pointing to an avalanche of interest in Bitcoin in recent weeks from household name investors. Like gold, Bitcoin can be expected to retain its value or even grow in value when other assets fall, therefore enabling investors to reduce their exposure to losses. Investors will increase exposure to decentralized non-sovereign secure digital currencies such as Bitcoin to help shield them from the potential issues in traditional markets. Earlier this month, another Goldman Sachs veteran, the former billionaire hedge fund manager turned Bitcoin and cryptocurrency investor Michael Novogratz, warned Goldman it will soon be scrambling to catch up with its head start in Bitcoin and crypto. Billionaire wealth also increased to $10.2 trillion through the end of July, setting a new record amid the seaward pandemic, even as millions of unemployed people fall into poverty. 
Wealth held by billionaires around the world rose to $10.2 trillion in July, up from the previous record of $8.9 trillion in 2017, according to an analysis by Swiss bank, UBS, and consulting firm PwC. The number of billionaires also rose from 2,158 in 2017 to 2,189 this summer, according to the report. Not all billionaires saw their wealth increase, though some saw their wealth rise by close to 50%. Healthcare billionaires, for example, saw their wealth increase by 50%. Technology billionaires saw their wealth rise by 42.5%, and billionaires in entertainment, financial services, materials, and real estate sectors saw increases of 10% or less. While the UBS analysis looked at billionaires around the world, a separate analysis by the Institute for Policy Studies and Americans for Tax Fairness found that billionaire wealth in the United States has grown by $792 billion, or 27%, since the beginning of the C word lockdowns in March. The combined wealth of American billionaires now tops $3.7 trillion. Some prominent billionaires have done particularly well. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos has seen his wealth rise more than 60% during the pandemic to $195 billion through late August, according to the analysis. Tesla CEO Elon Musk saw his wealth more than triple to $85 billion over that time frame. The study pointed to President Donald Trump's 2017 tax cuts. Which helped billionaires keep more of their earnings, but this also helps small business owners and even normal day people. The UBS study noted that Trump's desired capital gains tax cut, billed as a pandemic-related stimulus, would overwhelmingly favor the richest Americans. For billionaires, this is a heads-we-win, tails-you-lose economy, boosted by Trump policies to funnel wealth to the top. Chuck Collins. The head of the Institute for Policy Studies Program on Inequality said in, news, in a news release. That being said, many people, just normal day people, and again small business owners, have benefited benefited from these tax cuts. So the pandemic profiteering of America's billionaires shows taxes on the wealthy must go up substantially. To narrow the wealth gap and raise revenue vital for a big climb back from disaster, added Frank Clementi, executive director of Americans for Tax Fairness, by demanding even more tax cuts for the rich at this crucial moment, President Trump shows he is out of touch with our nation's needs, as America's billionaires are disconnected from our nation's misery. And the thing that people don't really understand is that taxing the rich. Doesn't solve anything. I mentioned this in a previous episode a while ago, but when you tax the rich, that doesn't really solve anything, because guess what? It, the fact of them just like making a whole bunch of money isn't because they're getting paid a whole bunch of money, right? Because the majority of these individuals, one, probably don't actually get a massive salary, right? But they have a crazy amount of stock within these companies. So when the company does well, their value or the stock that they own increases in value, thus causing them to be richer. Right? That doesn't necessarily mean that they actually have more money. Right? 
Because this is the thing that people don't understand. Just because, let's take for Bezos and uh, Musk as an example. Okay? They increased their wealth by multiple billions of dollars, right? That's how much they're worth on paper. They still got to pay taxes when they sell their stock, if they sell their stock, right? They're already taxed based off their personal income, right? Just like the majority of the population is, unless they're under a certain income range, then basically the government ends up paying you, right? Like basically in this country, in the United States, if you are extremely poor, you will actually be paid by the government, technically from tax dollars, right? So taxing people who are rich or who are worth a whole bunch of money doesn't solve anything. And people just don't understand that for some reason. So some executives like Zoom CEO Eric Wan and Bezos have profited from a boom in business caused by the lockdowns. Others have profited directly from government aid distributed to their companies. But most billionaires saw their wealth increase due to rising investments buoyed by a stock market surge propped up by government assistance. The rising wealth amid an economically devastating pandemic threatens to deepen long-standing inequalities. Extreme wealth concentration is an ugly phenomenon from a moral perspective, but it's also economically and socially destructive. Luke Hilliard, the executive director of the High Pay Center, a think tank that focuses on excessive executive pay, told The Guardian. Which, you know, you got to think about that. There's literally a think tank thing about, oh, these people who created these massive companies are getting paid too much, even though the majority of the population uses the products or services of that company. Seems kind of a waste of time in my book. So anyone accumulating riches on this scale could easily afford to raise the pay of the employees who generate their wealth or contribute to a great deal more in taxes to support vital public services while remaining very well rewarded for whatever success they've achieved. The findings from the UBS report showing that the super rich are getting even richer are a sign that capitalism isn't working as it should, which doesn't make any sense at all. UBS executive Joseph Stadler also acknowledged that billionaires could face societal backlash over their growing wealth as many people face months, if not years, of struggles. Which, again, this still doesn't even make sense. You know, the whole thing, you know, occurred with basically um, Bezos and like people trying to like put like a guillotine in front of his house or something, right? Again, how can you blame someone, right? That one created a company that the majority of the population on this planet uses, that you yourself most likely use, and you're going to get angry at him because he owns a percentage of the stock of the company, which is actually a pretty small percentage, right, of that company. And it just increased in value because in a lot of different states, which are happen chance to be democratic ran they had to face massive lockdowns and some states are even still locked down today right which is crazy even still 
And that's what's caused all these jobs to lose why the normal person, the everyday working person has lost their jobs. Small businesses have lost their jobs because of this. And massive corporations have been able to increase their wealth because they're the only ones that are still able to operate on a global scale, right? A small business customer, you know, potential customers are very local, right? Unless they're like running a specific type of business, maybe like an internet business or a business that they could ship overseas or across state lines, they're pretty much out of business. Like restaurants, you know, downtown in your city, out of business, right? So a lot of people are hurting, but not because of big businesses doing well, but because of lockdowns that are being forced by politicians so we're at an inflection point he told the outlet wealth concentration is as high as in 1905 and this is something billionaires are concerned about the problem is the power of interest on interest that makes big money bigger and the question is to what extent is that sustainable and at what point will society intervene and strike back and again this still doesn't make sense because No one is barred from investing their own money into assets. Everyone can invest or everyone has the capability and the right to access assets, right? Now, you have to either work hard, work smart, or manage your finances in a way to allow you to actually do it where you can physically invest but everyone has the ability to access these different investments okay then but it's far from the first time that billionaires profited while millions suffered and again this is not at the fault of billionaires the institute for policy studies found that the wealthiest 400 billionaires in the u.s not only recovered from the 2008 recession within three years, but increased their wealth by 80% over the following decade. And guess who also was able to recover from this or even make a crazy amount of money? People who ended up buying a whole bunch of real estate after the crash. By comparison, the bottom 80% of earners have still not recovered. While government intervention has helped billionaires accumulate even more wealth, the lack of government action since the spring has resulted in an estimated 8 million Americans falling into poverty since May, according to a study from researchers at Columbia University. The lack of additional stimulus payments and the expiration of enhanced federal unemployment benefits has resulted in 6 million Americans falling into poverty over just the last three months, according to a study from researchers at the University of Chicago and Notre Dame. And again, what people need to understand is that when you have cities, states locked down, no one's making money, right? Businesses are not making money. Their employees are not making money. People are staying at home. No one can buy anything. No one can earn anything. And this is what's causing people to get into poverty, right? Stimulus checks will not help people get out of poverty. Because if no one's working, right, and you have money, what are you going to spend money on when no one's working, right? Oh, wait, you're going to put that money 
into Amazon. You're going to put that money into all these different big corporations that are not locked down, right? Which is what all these people are complaining about of becoming, you know, billionaires becoming richer. Like you just can't have things locked down for so long. And the problem has been even worse globally. Between 88 million and 140 uh, and 114 million people around the world have fallen into extreme poverty, defined as living on less than $1.90 per day since the pandemic hit, according to the World Bank. There are now more than 700 million people living in extreme poverty, and researchers expected that number to keep rising. Not only that, there was a study that was shown that I believe there was going to be 200 million global deaths if lockdowns happen for an extended period of time. And guess what? There's still some places that are locked down and people are going to uh, expire. So this is the worst setback that we've witnessed in a generation. Carolina Sanchez Paramo, the global director of the Rhodes Bank Poverty and Equity Global Practice, told the Wall Street Journal. World Bank Group President David Mappas argued in a speech this month that the problem is worse in developing economies because rich countries have the resources to expand sweeping government spending programs while poor uh, poor economies have few few tools to mitigate the economic damage. The U.S., by contrast, should be doing better if not for Republican reluctance to increase government relief. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell warned Congress last month that inaction in the face of growing inequality would be highly damaging to the economic recovery. Those are things that hold back our economy, he said at a news conference. If we want to have the highest potential output and the best output for our economy, we need that prosperity to be very broadly spread. Many analysts have also faulted Powell and the Fed for contributing to the growing inequality with policies disproportionately benefiting stockholders, according to the Associated Press. Just as the C-word has exposed long-standing health disparities between the richest and poorest Americans, the growing inequality is largely the result of a catastrophic failure to tackle inequality well before the pandemic struck, according to a report from Oxfam International. Government's catastrophic failure to tackle inequality meant the majority of the world's countries were critically ill-equipped to weather the pandemic, said Oxfam Interim Executive Director Kema Vera. No country on earth was trying hard enough to reduce inequality and ordinary people are bearing the brunt of this crisis as a result. Millions of people have been pushed into poverty and hunger, and there have been countless unnecessary deaths. And there isn't a social program in this country that bears more importance to the financial well-being of seniors than Social Security. Each month, nearly 65 million people receive a Social Security benefit, and more than 46 million of them are retired workers. Of those retirees, more than 3 in 5 rely on their monthly payouts to account for at least half of their income. It's also a dynamic program. Despite laying a financial foundation for those who can no longer provide for themselves, the Social Security program undergoes a number of changes every year. It just so happened that these updates were unveiled by the Social Security Administration, SSA, this past week. Here's a closer look at the seven biggest changes to Social Security in 2021. 
Number one, recipients are going to get more money. October is the most important time of the year for Social Security recipients, primarily because it's when the SSA announces the cost of living adjustment, COLA, C-O-L-A, for the upcoming year. Think of COLA as the raise that Social Security beneficiaries receive that's designed to keep their benefits on par with inflation. For 2021, Social Security beneficiaries are looking at a good news, bad news scenario. The good news is simple. You're getting more money. The SSA announced a 1.3% COLA for the upcoming year, which for the average retired worker is going to translate into an extra $20 a month, working out to an estimated monthly payout of $1,543 a month by January 2021. Considering that prices for goods and services headed lower between March and May as a result of the Seward disease 2019 COVID-19 pandemic, a 1.3% COLA is a victory for the program's 64.8 million recipients. The bad news is that 1.3% ties for the second smallest positive COLA in history. But with inflation in shelter and medical care services outpacing 1.3%, senior citizens are going to see the purchasing power of their Social Security income decline once again. Number two, the full retirement age is inching higher. The only change we knew for certain that would happen in 2021 was an increase in the full retirement age, which is also known as normal retirement age by the SSA. A person's full retirement age is the age when they can receive 100% of their monthly payout as determined by their birth year. In 2021, the full retirement age is going to inch up higher by two months to 66 years and 10 months for people born in 1959, i.e. beneficiaries who can now become newly eligible next year. But simply claiming benefits at any point prior to reaching your full retirement age means accepting a permanent reduction to your monthly payout. Conversely, waiting to take benefits until after 66 years and 10 months for workers born in 1959 can pump up retirement benefits. Social Security's full retirement age will peak at age 67 in 2022 for anyone born in 1960 or later. Number three, high earners can expect to pay more taxes. Go figure. Keep in mind that changes to the Social Security program don't just affect people currently receiving benefits. One of the biggest upstates next year is an increase to the payroll tax earnings cap. The payroll tax is Social Security's workhorse, and in 2019, it generated $944.5 billion of the $1.06 trillion collected by the program. Revenue is brought in by applying a 12.4% tax on earned income, wages and salary, but not investment income, ranging between a penny and $137,700 as of 2020. Note all earned income above $137,700 in 2020 is exempt from the payroll tax. In 2021, all earned income up to $142,800 will be taxable, representing an increase of $5,100. For the roughly 6% of workers who are expected to hit this cap, we're talking about an increase in payroll tax of up to $632.40 next year. 
If you're wondering how the SSA came up with the $142,800 as next year's cap, it has to do with the year-over-year increase in the National Average Wage Index, or the NAWI. Between 2018 and 2019, the NAWI rose from $52,145.80 to $54,099.99 a gain of 3.74% or 3.7% when rounded to the nearest tenth of a percent. Next year's tax cap is 3.7% higher than the $137,700 in 2020. It's that simple. Number four, the wealthy can pocket a bigger monthly benefit. Though high earners will be tasked with opening up their wallets a bit wider in 2021, Well-to-do beneficiaries can also expect to receive more. After the SSA capped monthly retirement benefits at $3,011 for persons of full retirement age in 2020, the maximum payout at full retirement age is increasing to $3,148 a month in 2021. That's an extra $1,644 a year for wealthy workers. To net this maximum monthly payout, workers would need to have done three things. Waited until their full retirement age to claim benefits. Worked at least 35 years as every year less of 35 worked results and a $0 being averaged into their eventual monthly payout. Hit or surpass the maximum taxable earnings cap in each of the 35 years the SSA takes into account when calculating a person's retirement benefit. A check next to all three of these criteria allows a retiree to the net the maximum monthly benefit. Number five, disability income thresholds climb higher. There's no question that Social Security's primary job is to financially protect our nation's retired workforce. But don't overlook the fact that 9.7 million beneficiaries are receiving a monthly payout from the Social Security Disability Insurance Trust. In 2021, the income thresholds where benefits cease to disabled beneficiaries will climb higher. For example, non-blind disabled beneficiaries can earn up to $1,260 a month in 2020 without having their Social Security payouts stopped. Next year, this threshold is increasing $50 a month to $1,310. This means non-blind disabled beneficiaries are able to earn up to $600 extra annually without losing their benefits. The increase is even larger for blind disabled beneficiaries. Folks who fall into this category will be allowed to earn up to $2,190 a month in 2021, $80 a month higher than the 2020 threshold, without having their benefits stopped. Number six, withholding thresholds for early filers receive a boost. Social Security has a number of ways it penalizes early filers. None is arguably more confusing or surprising to retired workers than the retirement earnings test. Put simply, the retirement earnings test allows the SSA to withhold some or all of an early filer's benefit if they earn above a preset income threshold. In 2021, these income thresholds are heading higher. For instance, early filers who won't reach their full retirement age in 2020 are only allowed to earn up to $18,240 a year, which is $1,520 a month before $1 in benefits can be withheld for every $2 in earnings above this threshold. 
In 2021, early filers who won't reach full retirement age can earn up to $18,960 annually, or an extra $60 a month, $1,580 per month, before withholding kicks in. Early filers who will reach full retirement age in 2021 will see a boost in the withholding threshold too. Next year, early filers who hit their full retirement age at some point during the year will be allowed to earn up to $50,520, $4,210 a month, before $1 in benefits is withheld for every $3 in earnings above this threshold. For those who are curious, that's an increase of $160 a month from 2020 levels. Take note that the retirement earnings test is no longer applicable. Applicable once you hit your full retirement age, regardless of when you claim benefits, and withheld benefits are returned to recipients in the form of a higher monthly payout after hitting full retirement age. Number seven, you have to earn more to qualify for a retirement benefit. Last but certainly not least, working Americans are going to have to try a bit harder to qualify for a Social Security retired worker benefit. Despite what you might have heard, Social Security isn't simply given to someone for being born in the United States. In order to receive a retirement benefit, you'll need to have earned 40 lifetime work credits, of which a maximum of four credits can be earned each year. These credits are awarded according to an individual's income in a given year. For example, workers received one lifetime work credit in 2020. With one thousand four hundred and ten dollars in earned income, put another way, if a worker nets at least five thousand six hundred and forty dollars in earned income, one thousand four hundred and ten dollars times four this year, they'll receive the maximum four credits. So in twenty twenty one, it'll take one thousand four hundred and seventy dollars in earned income to earn one lifetime work credit, or five thousand eight hundred and eighty dollars for the full year to maximize your Social Security work credits. Check out fortyinbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons, and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. And thank you for watching. Feel free to give your thoughts down below about anything that we talked.